adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rated This Way, cultural podcast that brings the latest and greatest news from the world of Serie A and European Super League soccer, Calcio. Um, I'm, of course, uh, Michael D'Angelo, uh, and as always with us, we have uh, Paul Anobaloni Mangoni. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. Uh, we have <laughs> Mr. Chris Baselli. Hello, everybody. And, of course, we have Padju Julian D'Angelo. How's everybody doing tonight? How is everybody doing? I'll tell you how Al Wilson's doing here with the snake. <laughs> doing pretty, pretty damn good, that snake. Right? Right, Julian? Yeah. Yeah, they won. So, yeah. That damn snake. Those bastards. You know what's going to be embarrassing? Inter is going to win the league. They're not going to win any other games this year. They're going to win it with 79 points. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> How embarrassing would that be, actually, though? Rotate the squad, let all the scrubs play. <laughs> play the youth squad. As, like, a power move on the rest of the league who are, like, going to stay at, like, 70 points. Yeah. Like, this, this reminds you of the first season with Juventus when, like, they went – well, they went undefeated. Remember that? But, like, yes. that team was not Shit. good. Yeah, it's just like that. Like, has that feeling of that first like Juventus scudetto around them, right? Yeah. Some would say that that team um, was. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> That's probably a record for the earliest we've played that clip. Yeah. <laughs> In the well, preamble, that's what the sponsors want. That's it. That's what they want. They want more Gattuso. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll give it to him. Make sure to give it to him. Um, okay. Well, uh, we have actually we've since we last spoke. There's been a lot that's happened in terms of Serie A soccer, uh, Super League uh, implosion, um, lots of other stuff here. So what we'll do is we'll get through. I guess a review of the games. So week 32 uh, and then up to week 33 now. Um, a little later on, we'll possibly chat a little bit about Super League. I don't think we we got, we haven't really set aside time, but we'll make some time here. Um, and then we will get, of course, into Who Am I? Uh, and then a little bit of a chat after about the, uh, I guess, the state of the table, where we're at with uh, the top of the table and, and the relegation battle as well. So um, we'll do that as well in this show. Uh, so again, let's start with uh, week 32 here. Uh, so just to quickly run down it, uh, cause again, we'll get a better glimpse of the table afterwards in week 33, but, uh, Verona lost to Fiorentina 2 one, um, Vlavic PK and then Castellet 
with a uh, 65th minute goal to make it two nothing. And then Salcedo makes it two one, uh, but it ends two one for Fiorentina. Uh, Sassuolo beat Milan. Um, a, uh, a Raspadori brace um, saw them win it two one. Uh, Genoa and Benevento tied two to two. Uh, Pandev brace. Uh, all these goals actually happened in the first half in the first 20 so minutes. Uh, so after that, it was kind of a stalemate. But uh, again, a quick oof, four, four goals in uh, in 20 minutes is pretty incredible. Uh, Cagliari won one nothing uh, against Udinese. Uh, uh, Gio Pedro Pique. Inter tied Spezia 1-1. What? Uh, yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That what happened there? Actually, there was there was something stupid in this game, wasn't it? Wasn't there? Um, uh, Pandanovic, yeah, Pandanovic, probably... yeah, let a weak goal in ten minutes in, and yeah, managed to get one right. back to Perisic, who socked himself on the goal. So that was impressive. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Inter just couldn't finish after that until finished one one. Yeah, and that's actually that kind of is a through line for Inter so far. Uh, even going into this week a little bit with Hananovic, but we'll talk a little bit that uh, about that a little bit later on. Um, Juve see off Parma three to one after going down one nothing. Sandro uh, has a brace and then Delict scores in sixty eighth to make it three one. That's how it ends. Crotone lose to Sampdoria uh, with a quag goal in the fifty third. Bologna um, and uh, Torino tied one one. Um, Roma tying at Atalanta 1-1, uh, which saw two red cards. Uh, well, two double yellows, I guess, which, again, are red cards. Um, but uh, the final game of, of 32 was Napoli-Lazio. Uh, we had an Insigne brace. Uh, we had lots of actually, I would say, probably about two or three stellar goals in this game. Uh, yeah. But we do have our goal of the week was Mertens to make it 4 nothing. Uh, and uh, and this is what uh, this is what it sounded like. Great turn there from Jelinski, and a first time hit from Dries Mertens. Another glorious goal from Napoli, and Dries Mertens onto 102 Serie A goals for Napoli, drawing. The- uh, drawing levels or drawing whatever he said. Anyways, uh, they, what I want to talk about is the one. Yeah, he said it, it was a one-time hit. It was beautiful. Um, and the turn again. Who was that? Zielinski who turned at the start of that? Uh, I think let me, so. Let me get back to it. Let's see who, who was it. But uh, Paula, what was the record Mertens drew? Because I think that's what the commentator was addressing right at the end there. Uh, I think it was 100, 100, 100 second goal for for Napoli for Napoli in Serie A though, right? Yeah, Not I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he was drawing any record, but I think that's just what his his current tally is at, which is right. I think he is the record holder, isn't he? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, a beautiful goal. Uh, if you have a chance, watch it. It was the fourth goal, I think, right? Yeah, the fourth goal for Napoli in that game. Uh, made it 4 nothing, But they end up winning 5-2 over Lazio. Um, so Napoli, with that, again, make some strides and, and jump into a better position in the table. Um, but, uh, again, it's um, we'll talk maybe about table a little bit later on as we get into Week 33. Uh, okay, quickly, Paulo, I know I didn't... Uh, I, I know you didn't want to get into any games in Week 32. You wanted to kind of go straight to 33. But do you have any to- notes for any of these games that you want to just talk about? Very, get off your chest, and you have 30 seconds. 
Okay, well, um, you know, uh, Milan losing 2-1 to Sassuolo, uh, that uh, was a very appreciative. So that was one of the games that uh, we picked off as a game to watch. Another game that all we also chose was Cagliari Undrese, uh, which Cagliari won one nothing. Uh, again, an important win. The reason why I chose this game as well uh, was because the Paul was missing, and this was a glorious opportunity for Cagliari to take all three points, in which they did. Uh, and then I think the two other games were, of course, Michael, as you mentioned, the five-two uh, Napoli Lazio game and Roma Atalanta. Uh, what I did truly appreciate was Ibanez at the end of the Roma Atalanta game. Michael, you said that there was two red cards. Uh, again, I, I think this could be the uh, second or third time that Roma has had like a center back sent off in the last five minutes of the game, especially when they were up. Uh, they were up in the game as well. So again, uh, that's also an underlying thread. Uh, throughout their, their whole season, which we'll get into uh, during week 33. Uh, also, uh, goals uh, to mention that uh, we uh, couldn't choose as our goal of the round is uh, Mandragora as well, uh, with a nice nice volley from uh, the edge of the box. And in the same game as Mertens, Insigne's second goal as well, which is a nice curler. A nice uh, doink, as we call it. Yes, a doink, doink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, incredible doink. Okay, that yeah. was. I give you a, about a minute and a half there, so you got an extra minute. There you go. Well, uh, are, you, I think are I... you happy? Are you happy now? Uh, no, I mean there was a lot of important games that uh, you know that that went through, but you know the... you were the one. You were the one who wanted to skip to thirty-three. I concur. Uh, what, what was I? We're all in. Oh, what was I now? <laughs> was I now? Okay. Well, you know that's what happens when you get the host, right? Precisely. Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, Calgary uh, winning and how important it was. Uh, and again, we saw uh, in 33 again uh, just how, how important that was. But I guess actually, you know, well, let's wait for da, 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 one, two, three, four, five. Let's go. Yeah, okay. We got six, in, six games in on week 33. So we'll get to that. But just keep that in mind uh, when we're talking relegation a little later on. Uh, okay. Let's start with uh, Saturday's games in week 33. Uh, Genoa Spezia, so Genoa be Spezia two nothing, um, goals by Skamaka and uh, Shomorodov. Good for him. We <laughs> 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 two nothing uh, uh, for a big win over Spezia. Uh, another, uh, just Parma find themselves in the in these games, uh, these shootout games, and they're never on the right end of it. But Parma lose three, uh, four three rather to Cortone. Um, Simi has a brace. Simi now, his goal count is up to 19, I believe. 19 goals. Uh, I will check is... that. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 19 here, which ties him for uh, third because Muriel also has 19. Yeah, and with yeah, with that goal, the second one, he's actually the most prolific Nigerian scorer in Serie A history. Which is he fantastic. That's fantastic. And like, just to, I, I don't think we can talk about this enough because, again, he's on a team that surely will be relegated, has almost reached the 20 goal plateau, which is hard any year uh, for most players. And again, he's done it with uh, five games to spare almost. He's got 19 here again, right? So it's, it's pretty incredible what uh, he's been able to do, albeit with eight penalties, but at the same time, again, 
he's still been prolific. He's got uh, at least 11 other goals to count for, right? Um, in any case, uh, we'll see what happens with uh, his future. But uh, again, his, his Crotone side win 4-3 over Parma in a battle uh, which might be happening in City B next year. Uh, next game was Sassuolo-Sampdoria. Berardi scores the only goal in the 69th to win a one nothing for Sassuolo over Samp. Uh, on to Sunday, Benevento versus Udinese. Uh, so uh, what happened here? We had Udinese won 4-2. to uh, Anything special here? I mean, Benevento lose, which is pretty uh, poor for them because they find themselves in 18th position. They had a chance to uh, keep pace with their 17th position. And because they lose... Uh, they are able. They fall actually into eighteenth or eighteenth position, I believe. Yeah, so that's uh, not great for them. Um, but uh, yeah, again, it's it's uh, a struggle for them lately. Just uh, uh, yeah, just Mike from that game. Just want to note uh, DePaul's pass on oh, Udinese's first goal. I think he splits four defenders over forty yards or something, or thirty yards maybe. Anyways, beautiful pass and decent finish as well. But one of the nicest passes we've seen all year. Yeah. yeah. So- so they go from like like I said, uh, DePaul was missing in week thirty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes back uh, from remember because the reason why he got suspended was because he kicked Reka in the head. Remember that uh, yes. against yep. uh, against Crotone, <laughs> and he comes back and uh, you know instant impact, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. and again as Chris said, it was a, it was a split pass and kind of went through the almost four players, um, and. That's like that's something that I would do or someone would do in FIFA. Or that you don't see those often, right? I think Frank Ribery had one earlier in the year like that. Yeah, too, I remember that. Yeah, yes. which was yeah. uh, again just again, incredible. No, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna yeah, say Milan, right. but yeah, I was been through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was when they was... blew the lead as well. Yeah, yeah, stupid, sexy Frank. Um, I don't know, <laughs> Michael. Before before we move on, uh, since we're talking about the Paul as well. I think yeah. it was it was during this week under all the noise of the Super League and midweek action. I believe as as it was this week that DePaul switched over to Rayola as his agent. Right, which is yeah. uh, pretty telling on what's to come. Perhaps there's going to be a movement. It, it kind of sounds like again there's uh, if Udinese, who I'm not sure will be able to afford a lot of um, what DePaul will be able to command from now on, but they, they can get a sweet payday for him. So. I, I think they're going to get more than forty million for sure if they s- intend to sell him. Uh, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, like, I, I think they would need at least like you know forty to fifty million to actually like properly replace replace him in the team, and even then, like that that will be difficult. Like, I, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, you're not really going to replace him. You you try and bring in a, a young player that can maybe become a similar version of him, right? Right, and and like. Like I, like I, I want to mention in in week thirty two as well. I mean, they missed, uh, you know, they got in the, in this game as I should say, they got back to his mobility and his ability to you know make runs into the box, uh, which is what they were missing against uh, Gallieri, uh in week thirty two. Yes, quite. Yeah. Um. Okay, we spent a little too long on this, even though uh, we didn't we didn't talk say that we were going to talk about this game, but we basically talked a, a lot about the game. Uh, anyways, if you guys want to see a nice uh, six goal highlight package, watch that uh, on on the YouTube's. 
Uh, okay, next up was Fiorentina Juventus, uh, which is a, um, a clearly a trap game for Juventus because uh, they can't uh, do anything against Fiorentina this year. They end up tying one one. Um, there was uh, a lot of chances in this game. Uh, Vlavic ends up getting a, a penalty in the 29th uh, because Rabiot kind of jumps up with his arm and smacks the ball with his elbow like an idiot. Um, and then he makes a one nothing. Before that, I think Chesney had a, uh, I think, was it Castrovilli, Paul, you said? Yeah, it was Castrovilli. Uh, yeah, it takes a shot from far out. It, it kind of just, like, loops over and, and hits the post and smacks Chesney in the face. And he's lucky he didn't go in the net, to be honest. Uh, but it could have been a lot worse for Juve, who find uh, actually themselves on the end of a goal of the week from Alvaro Marata. Here's that. Quadrado looking for Alvaro Marata. Chop inside, his first involvement is simply sensational. What about that for a substitution? And what about that for a piece of skill? And Juventus level in the blink of an eye. The king of offside, Alvaro Morata, barely stays onside. <laughs> is onside, though, uh, and makes just a beautiful... This, is, this I'm going to characterize as a doink, my friends. This is a doink. If I've ever seen one, but it was a beautiful lob doink. Is that is that fair to characterize it like that? Yeah, yeah I mean, we can be nice to Morata. I feel like all we've done is <laughs> shit on him this year. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Listen, rightly so. Is, wait, 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 Julian. Wait, hold on. All we've done is piss on him. <laughs> <laughs> Someone check on Paulo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, Paul, you I, can clip that and send it to Nima. <laughs> uh, what I did, what I comment on with Fiorentina, anyways, was just their midfield three. Uh, like I, obviously, I haven't watched every Fiorentina game this year. I know I'm taking off my pay, but um, <laughs> the midfield three of Amrabat, Pulgar, and Castrovilli from the Fiorentina games I've watched this year. I don't know how many times those three started. Um, they've obviously subbed each other off and on quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I thought it was good to see those three uh, start. And I, I mean, obviously this year hasn't gone the way Fiorentina would have liked, but I think if they're going to have success um, next year and the year after that, I think those three in midfield will play a pivotal role in that. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, I think kind that's of an really... underrated midfield, I think. Yeah, well, and, and I mean your point again i'm not sure how much they've played and been able to kind of carry a lot of the games together but um again it's it's they, they definitely have a lot of promise especially uh, people have talked about castrovilli and and some people have said you know there's a lot to there's a, a lot left wanted wanting from him but i i think he's been able to even on a team like this this year he hasn't been really taking any steps back necessarily he hasn't taken many steps forward but he's able to kind of cement a little bit of what he can bring to the pitch right yep. and uh yeah you're right a, a solid solid midfield again it's it's unfortunate on just the rest that's happened to Fiorentina this year they, they didn't really come out uh in, in great form and and really in the middle of the year they were kind of complete another garbage to be honest but um since again, since Pernadelli came, they've actually had to steady the ship, or they've been able to rather steady the ship a little bit, uh, even though he left again. Um, but yeah, that's a really fair point. This game for sure, I think Juve, um, just to kind of get back to it, they they really 
didn't have much, and I think I've said this for about five or six weeks in a row here now, um, Dybala again was back and started. And if he's not able to be the best player on the pitch, they're not going to have uh, a really good chance. And I, I also say Ronaldo didn't really have a great game. He almost had, he was uh, probably about an inch or two from actually stealing the win from this game for Juventus. And I'm not sure where his head's at, but it's clearly, uh, it's, it's not in the right, right place because again, it's, it, he, he's not able to finish those chances, which you would expect him to have finished before. You know, you're paying 60 million or 30 million, whatever, to finish <laughs> just, those chances. I was right? just going to say, yeah, with those wages, you expect him to finish those. Exactly. Um, but again, at the end of the day, the, the Fiorentina clearly are, are uh, kryptonite to Juve once again. Um, and they, they steal the points here, which uh, is costly to Juventus because, uh, again, they, they stay with that point, they, they go to 66 points. Uh, and we actually have this like log jam of of uh, teams around sixty eight and sixty six points here. So it's definitely points that are missed, and we'll see at the end of the season what it actually means for uh, the table. Because a loss to Fiorentina in the first leg, and then this tie, they Fiorentina took four points from Juventus, uh, which is that's that's part of their dreadful season. There, that's that's all you really need to look at. Um, to kind of get a good picture of, of what, what has happened so far. And uh, our, our favorite owner, Michael Comiso, who owns, uh, who's, who's the Fiorentina president, uh, said that with those four points, it maybe should be Fiorentina and not Juventus going into the Super League. Hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, Michael, you, you also forgot to mention that Vlavic scored a doink penalty as well. Oh, yeah, it was a doink. It was, yeah, uh, yeah Chesney kind of just dropped down and it went doink right in the middle. Yeah, a nice Panenka. Uh, yeah. So uh, there was actually controversy. I don't know, maybe Chris, you could probably chime in as well. Uh, there seemed to be, uh, I guess, Rabio was pushed into the ball, which is why Pirlo was uh, complaining on the sidelines as the PK was given. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that. I, I think, again, just going back to how the rules are written, is are you making your body... Uh, unusually big or abnormally big and so that's probably what they're looking at because the his elbows were above his head essentially right uh, or, yeah. or close enough to it so again did he get pushed yes but his arms were already up there uh the, the defender didn't make him throw his arms up that high right right uh so and uh i looked to the chance right before halftime by from ramsey uh, he yeah. was pretty much clear in on goal, and I guess he thought he had less time than he did, and you know screwed it uh, horribly wide. Unfortunately, uh, also, um, I was on. There was an interesting tweet from from Claudio Marchisio after uh, Fiorentina scored. He 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 tweeted out saying that you know they he's running for, for mayor. Yes, he does. He's running for for mayor of Turin. That is correct, Michael. But he also tweeted out uh, saying that they should look for Quartuado uh, on the overlap uh, to, to kind of spread out the ball out wide as well. And, you know, lo and behold, 30 minutes later, that's exactly what happens. So I just wanted to point that out that, you know, you know, in Marquisio, we trust. That's right. My, my captain. <laughs> my, uh... <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, again, Juve uh, steal some points here or steal a point rather. Uh, one, one. 
Fiorentina in the end. Uh, let's move on from this because again, we could spend all day talking about uh, this, this shit bus here that is Juventus this year, <laughs> but we'll, we'll continue. Um, Inter uh, faced uh, a Hellas Verona team who are on quite a bit of a slide recently. They've actually lost three in a row, and with this loss, they lost one nothing. Is a fourth loss in a row for them. Um, and the probably the the MVP of Inter's uh, Scudetto run over the last probably <laughs> two months, uh, Darmian scores to make it one nothing in the seventy sixth. Um, Julian, what do you want to say quickly about Inter just before we move on? Um, I think Hakimi deserves a shout. I thought he was one of their more dangerous players all game, and he actually assisted the goal. It was kind of uh, it was a nice link up play. I think it went Lukaku to Sanchez to Hakimi, then to Darmian, who was wide open. Um, you mentioned it earlier, Handanovic. I don't know what like he, he was okay during the middle of the season, but these last three games. Um, I just, I don't know. There was the own goal against Napoli. There was a really weak goal against Spezia. And then even he got lucky in this one, in my opinion, um, 80th minute ball just kind of pops up in the air towards him. Instead of jumping up to catch it on Ty's point as every single goalkeeper does, he tries to do like a breadbasket catch. He got lucky that Fadaoni slightly clipped his arm before he hit the ball because the ball ended up in the back of the net, but was ruled out with foul. Yeah, and I mean, in this uh, this Juventus fans probably biased opinion, it probably should have been a goal. <laughs> to, to be honest, I mean, I, I mean, again, I, I just joke about the bias, but I actually think it, it should have been a goal. There's there's no reason that that should have happened by Andanovic. Like he he doesn't really brush up that much. I understand there's a little bit of contact, I guess, uh, but again, he got you're like you're right. He got very lucky there. So yeah, like it's uh, to me it's the keeper tax. If it's a regular player with slight contact, probably not. Yeah, but because right. it's the goalkeeper, they're gonna blow it dead. Right. Follow? No, well uh, I was gonna say like that was was it enough to kind of throw him off from catching the ball? Yeah, like, and I guess that's that's at the end of the day what they say, but at the same time, like he just doesn't have his wits about him in the first place to end of it, right? So I, I can't give him that credit. Exactly. Um, that, that's the whole point. I mean, like, if you look at the replay, like, that touch is not a determining factor of him. Cat- it's inconsequential not- to me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Intermerda. Uh, anyways, they win one nothing. <laughs> Wait, hold, hold on. Just, yes. Again, I, I can never uh, I'll be remiss if I don't mention the fact that, uh, again, as you said, Darmian scored. And I remember on our, I think it was our very first episode. <laughs> very first episode with uh, with Nima, I believe it was, where everyone was shitting on me for saying that Darmian was, you know, a terrible signing. It Nima be... wasn't on our first episode. This is already uh, poor recollection on your part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, we were, we, were ha- we were having a transfer episode, all right? And uh, it was also on the episode with Nima as well, where, where, where we were discussing Darmian. And I was the only one who would actually would praise Darmian and call them a fundamental signing which could uh, determine the balance of the Scudetto. And that's exactly where we're at today. Yeah, I mean, that is, uh, it, it's just incredible how prolific that ended up being. Because again, he's been their man of the second half of the season, for sure. And even like, honestly, in uh, he was pretty instrumental. Not, again, they ended up finishing fourth and, and crashing out of <laughs> Europe. But wasn't he? There, there were some. Yeah, the, he scored against Gladbach. Yeah. The game they won three two. He scored the opening goal. 
yeah, he he's been having a solid season, and again, he he didn't make it into I guess steady rotation until a little bit later on, but he's been a great plug, honestly, and he he's been solid for sure. Uh, uh, just go ahead, Julian. Sorry, just wanted to mention him. Uh, fun fact: there was nobody who showed up for his medical. No yeah. fans showed up. Yeah, they showed up for Vidal. They showed up even for Kolarov, but nobody for Darmian. Whatever happened to Kolarov? Is he dead? Maybe. I think I saw him on the bench on TV. I don't know. Uh, was it? Um, I was want to say that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on, I had, a, I had a had a point in my head, and I can't remember what it was now. Damn, it's gonna come to me. <laughs> well, and, well, I, I wanted to say four points to clinch. That's another. That's another point that we have to bring up. Yeah, be remiss as well. Yeah. Well, uh, and they won't even need it. They're actually not going to get any more points, like I said. Um, and they're going to stay on 79, and that's going to be the, the, the winning number because someone else is going to get to, like, just 10 more points. Maybe Atlanta might get to 78, and then that's the season Oh, in, in I, the last five games here. Uh, Michael, we were discussing that Darmian is kind of like Conte's Jack Greeny uh, during his time at Inter. Uh, yeah, that's a great comparison. Um, but Jack Greeny was a lot shorter. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Okay, moving on here. Um, enough Darmian talk. Uh, let's talk about uh, Cagliari Roma. So, what happened with that one? So, this was a very entertaining game um, for for both teams, especially for the neutral. Uh, Liko Yanis snuck into the box unmarked to score the opener after four minutes. Uh, so, Pellegrini played in Perez, who hit the post but scored on the rebound in the twenty seventh minute to tie it up. So, uh, by the end of the first half, it was a Roman Galeri trading chances, uh, which led to, in the second half, which led to Roma giving up the giving up possession in their own half, and the ball fell to Marine, who smashed it in from 25 yards out. Uh, yeah, Pedro scored uh, Galeri's third goal uh, from a header uh, from the near post off corner in the 64th minute. And Fazio made it 3-2 in the 69 minute with the, the almost exact same play, but at the other end. So, Galeri uh, went out 3-2. Uh, so, this is Galeri's third straight win. I believe they are three points back of... Oh, no, sorry, aren't they tied with Benevento? They're currently now, because of that win, uh, and that's what I was kind of getting at before. Yeah. Because that win, they've actually tied on points, but they take 17th position here. So, they've won three in a row. Uh, Benevento uh, lost uh, three of their last four, um, which again makes them draws them uh, at both at thirty one points. But uh, because of the tiebreaker, I guess here Cagliari actually has uh, a jumped into seventeenth. So again, with their three wins in a row, they've been uh, able to kind of claw their way out of immediate danger. That's wins over Parma, I think um, Udinese last week, and then uh, I again Crotone as well, right? Uh, they haven't played Grotone yet. Uh, I'm not sure when that was. Maybe it was earlier. In any case, again, they've, they've been able to kind of solidify a little bit more of a base to kind of battle out here. Um, and we'll see what ends up happening. But Benevento, again, are in danger as well now. As uh, Torino uh, at 31 points, Spezia are at 33. And again, there's a couple others that are, are in danger here. But uh, again, they've, they've battled their way out, at least, of sh- assured elimination. Relegation. Um, okay, is that all you want to say, Paulo, for Cagliari, Roma? Yes, um, 
yeah, so might as well let's, let's let's open this up to a kind of like a more wider. Do you want do you want to discuss the relegation race more than we have already? Uh, no, we'll talk it. We'll talk about it after the, okay. the break, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's just finish off here. So again, we have Atlanta winning five nothing over Bologna. Uh, Malinowski uh, one nothing. Muriel scores a uh, PK uh, to bring his goal tally up to nineteen and make it two nothing. Um, in the first half here, it's 2 nothing, And then in the second half, Froehler scores, Zapata scores, and Maranchuk scores uh, after a 49th-minute uh, red card from Bologna, uh, Schufen. And, uh, again, it ends up 5 nothing for Atlanta, who jump into second place with that win. Yeah, well, what happened? Uh, who, who, was, who was in second place before that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Good so answer. yeah, um, good answer. <laughs> so essentially, now if so, Atlanta have to beat Sassuolo to ensure that the title race continues on till next next round as well. Correct. Uh, which hey, we'll see what happens, and it's very possible. It's very likely. Um, but again, besides that, again, it, it's it's gonna it's very unlikely that Inter will lose it at this point. But it's possible. Very possible. I don't know if right. Very possible. Right? Right? <laughs> I hey, I've seen I've seen them crash out of Europe. So I, anything can happen here. Anything can happen. Uh moving on here. Torino uh Napoli. What happened with Torino Napoli? Um so Bakioko scored early on in the eleventh minutes. Um Nice goal from him. Sharking defending from Torino. I don't know what they were doing. Um, he just kind of turned a couple guys and sh- struck a nice ball from 20 yards out, went in the opposite corner. I know we've kind of blamed Sirigu for a lot of Torino's goals this year, but he had no chance on this one. Um, and then two minutes later, Ozyman poached the ball off of, uh, I believe it was in Kulu, and went in kind of half one-on-one. Bremer caught up to him and ended up kicking the ball off of Ozyman's foot and into the net. Um, from that point, it was all still Napoli. They probably could have scored another two or three. Um, but the game ended 2 nothing. The only other real thing to note was that Mandragora got sent off in the 86th for a second yellow. And Bakoyoko had a uh, goal of the week contender anyways. Yeah, what yeah. what happened with that goal? So he kind of like pulls it uh, and shoots it far side. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of. Sorry, Chris, you go. No, no, you do it. Yeah, I think it was just outside the box, and the defenders gave him just a bit of space, and he was to the left side of kind of the D there on the edge of the eighteen, and uh, just kind of rifled it um, across his body, so to speak, and it was bullet of a shot. And like you said, Julian, you can't blame CDGO for those ones. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, I believe Napoli now actually pull into that three-way tie for third, fourth, and fifth. That's right. A dead heat at 66 points um, with Juventus and the uh, probably some uh, the former second place <laughs> uh, <laughs> holders uh, in Milan who faced Lazio. So what happened in that game? <laughs> It was it was all Lazio the full ninety three or ninety four minutes whatever the hell it was it was oh, it really it was, was. 
I actually, Chalinoglu had an had an early chance, but that was pretty much all they had for the rest. Yeah, of the game. yes, it, there there was that, but uh, it, that gets drowned by all of the other Lazio chances, and it, it felt like, for, like as a Milan fan, anyways, that uh, almost like watching like one of our like our men's league games where there was just no concept of positions. It was just kind of like a free for all. It's like you <laughs> six go up, you four hang around here. <laughs> Uh, and it just seemed like counterattack after counterattack for Lazio. And I know that's how Lazio plays, and they did it exceptionally well. But uh, Pioli's game plan, if there even was one, was awful. Uh, and Zaghi set up his team to play in, in, a, in a perfect way. Um, there was nothing Milan did in attack that would have made Lazio panic, minus that Chalanoglu attempt. Um, I know... On the second Lazio goal, there was a foul on Chalanoglu and Orsato was the referee, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Orsato even went to VAR and still didn't call it back, which he should have. Um, The reason I'm not super mad about it is because Milan didn't deserve anything from that game anyways. Even if that goal does get called back and it remains 1-0, I'm 100% sure Lazio still goes on to win that game. Now, if this was a closer game and Milan was actually in it and him not calling him back, you know, resulted in Milan dropping points, then I'd be going on a different sort of rant right now. But yeah, Milan were outplayed. Lazio deserved the three points. And I think we'll talk about it a bit later, but that was a huge, huge win, not only because they beat Milan, but especially after they got slapped by Napoli just three days before. It was good uh, for them to come back and put in a performance like that. Yeah, definitely. So Milan uh, ended up getting against slapped 3 nothing. Yeah, they did. And uh, after losing 2-1 last week to Sassuolo, uh, they, again, are in fifth position now. So they dropped from second down three positions uh, just based on tiebreakers, etc., um, and sit uh, out of a Champions League spot at the moment. But that brings us to a good point, of uh, which, again, we'll discuss later, a little later on. But what a dogfight for two to four, two to five, I guess, even um, going into uh, these last five games. Um, this is going to be very entertaining to watch for sure. I wouldn't even count Lazio out because they still have a game in hand. Keep in mind. Very true. So if they end up winning that game in hand Go, like, against, against we'll Torino, see. right? Let, let, yeah. Let's say, let's save this for, for, for later on. I, okay, I wanna, fine. Okay, uh, fine. I want to get back to you know, the games itself. Uh, Michael, you mentioned uh, Milan's two, lo- two straight losses. Uh, I want to say the common thread in these losses to me is Milan been... playing. No. <laughs> well, that too, but still. Is, <laughs> it was the poor performance from Tomori. Uh, um, the, the reason why I brought up both games was on Milan, sorry, excuse me, Sassuolo's second goal. Raspadori burns him. Uh, like uh, with his first touch, to, and then he, then he slots it uh, far post. The same thing happened uh, against uh, Lazio as well. Carreras, I think it was the second goal, Chris, when he does the one-two. Uh, yeah, because that, yeah. that was the Chalinoglu uh, non-call. Yeah, so there, yeah, so uh, the one-two where. Uh, you know, Tomori gets lured in by Carrera with that with that one-two play as well, uh, and then on the third goal. No, that sorry, sorry, no, that was uh, that was Carrera's. That was the first goal, Chris. Or the one-two was the first goal. You're right. Yeah, the one-two was the first goal. The second goal was, uh, literally like Carrera turns. Short play goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Carrera turns Tamora as well. So, I mean, like, that's three of the five goals that Milan conceded are directly related to a mistake by Tamori as well. Yeah, I mean, the Raspadori one, he he does defend it well for the most part. Like he, he didn't let Raspadori turn inside. He showed him outside. Uh, and, I mean, it was a great finish from Raspadori, and his first touch had to be perfect because if it wasn't, Tamori would have got a touch to it. So I don't know if you com- can completely blame him for that one. The first goal against Lazio, yes, he got sucked in by the one-two. Uh, again, I'm th- if I put myself in his shoes, uh, whoever slipped the ball through for the one-two, there was no pressure on the ball, so somebody had to go. Now, you could argue maybe he could have delayed and, and cut off the ball, but then you're giving the player in possession more time to make a decision. Um, so, yeah, c- could he have... <laughs> Could he have done a bit better? Yes, but I don't know if you can just play or lay all of the blame for those goals on him. Well, and it's it's funny because, again, he's been having uh, a pretty decent spell himself, right? He, he's been playing pretty well up until, Paulo, you're, you're saying these past couple, uh, I guess, horrors for, for him. But it's he's been, he's been a great addition to this side. I think that's without question. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll agree. I, I just, I, I think you always have to be careful uh, and just recognize that when the team is playing well and winning, you know, people will look past mistakes and, you know, he's playing well and he's doing this. And then all of a sudden when you start to lose, all of that changes. So you have to kind of look at the games where we were playing well and, and you know, what was lacking mm-hmm. in those games. And then in the games when we're losing and the team isn't playing well, still try and pick up on what he's what he is doing well, not just focus on the negatives. Well, I mean, think about it. This guy's probably played uh, most like more games this season than he has like like in, in top top flight games that he has ever in his career as well. Like in these last in these past that's a good six, point. These past six months, right? Yeah. So especially like now when he when he's coming down to the final stretch of the season, it makes sense that he's that he's starting to struggle at this point in time, in my opinion. That is a good point. And it's the same with, um, not to talk too much more about Milan, but with um, Jens Petter Hauge, when Milan first got him, he was just coming off, I think the Norwegian season was supposed to be ending around that point. Mm-hmm. And then he came over to Milan and our season was just starting here with you know the big five leagues in Europe. So he had played a lot of football in a short amount of time and you kind of saw some fatigue again with him as well. I mean, I, I mean, I would love to continue uh, talking about Milan. You know, now that <laughs> they're in fifth place, but we can, I guess, we can continue that discussion later on in the episode. Yes, we shall. Um, let's uh, let's end this note here by saying uh, again, Tamori, who is actually Canadian-born, yeah. uh, born in Calgary. Um, <laughs> He, uh, hey, is he? Un- he's under fire from Paulo Mangoni, no baloney. Hey, I'll, I'm just calling it like a lit, like like it is. I mean, you know, I. You, you don't watch... talk dirt on our Canadian stars, okay? Well, English, what I... English though. He's he is he... playing for England, I think. <laughs> yeah, he is playing for England. It's not like it's like uh, Jonathan David who actually declared for Canada. You know, brav. Yeah, and, and another Owen Hargraves. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay, well, again, it's uh, uh, a good week for Inter, a good week for Atlanta, a great week for Napoli. 
um, and the rest are uh, in, I guess, rough shape here. Um, but with that, uh, it ends a interesting week 33. We'll see what weeks 34 through 38 bring us. Um, but uh, with that, why don't we take a quick break here, guys? Uh, we'll chat a little bit after the break about, again, we'll talk maybe some Super League a little bit later on, but we'll talk about, uh, we'll do a Who Am I, I guess, follow-up, uh, including a fan question. And then, uh, again, we'll talk a little bit later on, possibly, I guess, about Roma uh, in Europe this week, uh, amongst uh, other Serie A discussions. So we'll, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. E se davvero tu vuoi vivere una vita luminosa e più fragrante Cancella col coraggio quella supplica dagli occhi Troppo spesso la saggezza è solamente la prudenza più stagnante E quasi sempre dietro la collina il sole Ma perché tu non ti vuoi azzurre Welcome back to the show. Uh Paolo, these are nice hits. I actually enjoy this song. It's um La Collina del Ciliegi okay. by Lucio Battisti. Good. Yes. Yeah. Great song. Yes. I, I'm, um, I'm, um, I like the ca- uh, cantautore um, era in uh, in Italian singing songwriting. Yeah, you would. Yes, I, I, I do would. Yes, I would. Yes, <laughs> you do would. Yeah, I, I do would. <laughs> you do. You. <laughs> um, okay, welcome back, everybody. Uh, and uh, if you aren't already, make sure you're following us on the Twitter at Rete This Way and on Instagram at RTW Calcio. Um, we, we constantly post fun, uh, and hilarious memes, uh, along with many inside jokes between Paulo and, uh, his, his fellow Calcio heads. So make sure you're <laughs> getting in on those inside jokes. Uh, but, um, yeah, make sure again at Rete this way, uh, if we hit 400, Paulo 17 months ago said that he would post a picture of him, uh, playing in a, I think is, is it the... Is it the zebra? Yeah, which one it is? Okay, maybe, yeah. There, there might be some yeah. fun, anyways, a, a fun uh, profile of Paulo that he might release. Um, okay, let's get into our chat here. Uh, so we'll, we'll start off with, uh, I guess, first the introduction of the latest segment of... Who am I? I don't know. I don't know. Actually, it'll be a recap for last uh, last week's uh, winner, I guess, or or what it was. So, Chris, take it away. Yeah. So, hint number one from last week: this non-Italian is currently with his second Serie A club. Hint number two: more than three years ago, he won the UEFA Europa League. And then, hint number three: this attacking player has been managed by Pep Guardiola and has played with both Danny Welbeck and Andrea Poli. And last week's answer was Gerard Delofeo. There you are. Delofeo. Delofeo. Um, and who's our winner? Paulo, I think, has that. It was Zeke Tell. So thank Zeke. you, 
thank you, Zeke, who gave us uh, our topic for this week. Uh, in essence, it was who would have the most wins in the Champions League uh, for next season. So which manager would have the most wins in Champions League next season? Right. So assuming the top four is the top four. So at that time, uh, Milan was, uh, I mean, I know they're not in the top four at this point, but um, at the time they were. So should we uh, exclude Napoli in that and, and keep uh, Atlanta, Milan, Juve, Inter? Well, I mean, we, we should mention uh, Napoli as well. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll bring it up in the sense that let's say if Napoli do finish, uh, do finish in, in the top four, I mean, that also impacts uh, Gattuso's future at Napoli, in my opinion. Right. Uh, you know, because there was reports this week saying that uh, Spalletti uh, is in line to take over uh, at Napoli. Uh, I know Julian, I think uh, his contract with Inter is up at the end of the season. So he's free to join uh, whichever club he cho- so chooses. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's up after the season, so that's a good thing for Inter as well. Frees up some money. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think we should mention Napoli, in my opinion. Okay, well then let's mention Napoli. Um, let's start with uh, I don't know. I guess, we'll just do a round table here. Everyone can can kind of hop in when they want, but let's uh, let's kind of determine, I guess, our joint answer and who's going to have more wins. Is it going to be uh, out of those five, so again, we'll talk Inter, Atlanta, Napoli, Juve, Milan. Who, want, who wants to go first there? I will men- Well, I was going to mention Gasparini. I think my, I think he has the most wins in next year's uh, Champions League. Yeah, that's actually, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to pick Gasparini, and the reason why is just, I mean, as, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, is that Atlanta are not only the most exciting to watch, but they're the most expansive. And I think they're able to adapt to any opponent, whether, you know, it's a possession oriented or they're high pressing or a bit of both, or they sit back, whatever the case is, Gasparini has players that can break teams down. So um, I think another year of European football under their belts will add to that experience. Um, I can see them. Uh, how much did they spend on Miranchuk? Was it 20 million euros, like give or take? Yeah, yeah. Roughly, I think. Yeah. yeah, so I can see them spending another, you know, 20 to 25 on a player to kind of reinforce them. Uh, we know Papu's gone. Um, so, yeah, I, I would pick Gasparini um, or Atalanta rather to win the most games in Champions League next year for all the Serie A clubs. Julian? Yeah, that's actually what I was leaning towards as well, just because, as Chris mentioned, they're the most like versatile. They can probably more suited to European football. Um, so yeah, I think Gasparini would be number one. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't want to uh, make it a clean sweep just in the interest of keeping things interesting, I guess. Um, I would say, I would argue that Inter are going to come into next season's Champions League with a little bit more fire and uh, a lot more of a cautious, perhaps conservative approach. But I think that could do well for Conte if he's still there which is sounds like he will still be there. Um, I'm going to give it to them. I think they're kind of on the up and up, uh, and I can see them having success. Uh, I can see Atlanta for sure still making waves. We've seen it. We saw it last year. We saw a little this year as well. So um, 
My only caveat is if Juve do something uh, sensational in the transfer market this upcoming summer, uh, I, I would still have, I, I would put Juve on top of the class uh, in that case. For example, if they f- finish fixing up their midfield and add uh, perhaps a goaltender or, um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Very All vaguely. Right. <laughs> uh, Michael, so uh, I want to expand on your point about Inter. Um, I was having a discussion with a friend of the show, a fellow Inter fan, uh, Julian, I believe you you know who it is. Um, his, yes, his theory, okay, is that uh, once Inter let, – let's give Inter the Scudetto for the season. You know, only four points out as a matter of arithmetic at this point. Um, so Inter wins the Scudetto this season. His theory is that they should uh, forget about the league the following season and to focus on the Champions League, okay, from for the next you know um, for the next few seasons and 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 and, and to ensure that you know they they consistently finish in you know at least a minimum result of a semi a quarterfinal to a semifinal for the next few seasons and. And as a consequence, staying in the top four in Syria. So on that on that on that basis, you know, let's say if Inter do take that um, you know tactic for for going into the next few seasons, would you see Conte, even though it's probably not a style, becoming more expansive and gunning for better results in Europe? Who you asking, Julian? Yes. <laughs> It's interesting. I mean, I don't think you can ever make it that black and white. I don't think you can ever say, well, let's focus everything on Champions League and we're going to get to the quarterfinals. It doesn't work like that. It all depends on who you draw. It all depends on injuries. It depends on your squad. There's a lot of variables to play. Okay, um, so to your point about about who you draw, uh, so Inter will have the champions draw, right? Their they're yeah. first... They're, they're the first seed and most likely will have a weaker group next season in Champions League than they had this season. Yeah, and I I realize that. They need to get out of the group next year, 100%. That's obviously goal number one. Um, but being the trying to be someone rational and defend, they still need to shore up their squad depth. You can't be subbing on Gagliardini in the Champions League, you can't be subbing or starting him when you're playing bigger clubs in Serie A. It's just, he's won even their defenders right after your big three defenders. You're down to Ranocchia, D'Ambrosio, and Kolarov. Like, to me, the depth still isn't there. If they're able to make some signings this summer, which depends, obviously, if that loan comes through, um, we'll see. But 100%, they need to get out of the group. But I don't th- think you can just say, like, oh, yeah, let's focus everything on Champions League and push the league to second thought. I think especially in Serie A, the league comes first, quite frankly. Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty prevalent. Uh, I think it's usually the case for most managers. Again, we saw with Allegri for years, right? The same thing. They, he, he, they were able to maintain uh, fighting on multiple levels, Juventus, um, because, again, they had a very high concentration on the league. I, I when possibly they should have been focusing a little bit more on Champions League. But, uh, yeah, I think you're right that that's going to be a, uh, a focus for them too the next year. Paul? 
uh, well, I mean, it, it was just it, it was an interesting theory uh, because yeah, he, he's, he's essentially saying like winning multiple scudettos is kind of pointless because it doesn't take you to the next step. I mean, that's true. It's true. Um, for Conte as well, uh, he has been here. He's been there, done that, and. While it would be again great for Inter to uh, get what number twenty next year is that what it would be? Or yeah, it would be nineteen. Yeah, so if if that ends up happening again, that's a great a great story for them. They end up with a second star, which is like kind of what they're looking for. Um, but at the same time, uh, Conte is a coach who has had who hasn't had much success in Europe, right? He's someone who uh, you would expect is hungry for that. Uh, and despite his struggles this year, I think he has the ability to make a difference uh, for a team to kind of make them into a champion uh, and possibly a Champions League champion. But a lot of this is also going to depend on whether or not um, there is some sort of sanctions imposed by FIFA as well, or UEFA rather, for the Super League teams. Well, we'll, we'll get into that uh, a, a bit later. Okay. But uh, are we are we essentially ruling out Milan making the Champions League then? No, I'm not. No. no, I mean, but the question from Zeke was, which manager and you know, by association, which club is going to win the most games in Champions League next year? And I, I can confidently say that Milan won't be in that list. Um, whether or not they qualify is obviously still up for. Debate, yeah, and I would say uh, Spalletti at Napoli because I don't think it's going to be at Tuso. Uh, I don't think he's going to win many games. Well, um, I mean, like it should be it should be noted that you know if if Napoli do sneak in in the top four, I personally would give Gattuso next season uh, to prove his to, worth. To, I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll see. So what happens. Uh, I will also say, though, too, if Roma end up winning the Europa League, they're also in there as well, right? Which it's an uh, interesting uh, conversation to have because then who's – it's not going to be – I don't think Fonseca is going to stay after the season that they're having in Serie A. So I can imagine that, uh, it, again, they've, they've been chatting with Sadi apparently. So what does Sadi look like in the Champions League next year? Does he have some success if that's what ends up happening? I mean, I, I, or, or Allegri, uh, but it looked like it's going to be, to be honest. Yeah. To be honest, whether it's Saudi Allegri or a combination of the 50 best managers of all time, (laughs) Roma's roster is not where (laughs) it needs to be, uh, to compete in champions. Like I, uh, if they got the easiest group ever, they maybe get out of the group and then that's it. And trust me, I want Roma um, to do well, but the roster is just not where it needs to be to to be at that level. All right, hear me out. Cristiano Ronaldo at Roma. <laughs> it happened in a manager mode. I had once. <sighs> <laughs> so we're, we're all in agreement, essentially, that Gasparini would get the most wins in next season's uh, Champions League, regardless of. Well, 
they had to finish the I, top four, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I would I would pick the field over that, in my personal opinion. But uh, not that it's not possible. I think it, it is likely to at the same time. But I, I would still just my betting odds. I'm, I'm picking the field over Gasparini if that's the choice you're giving me. Okay, I, I would pick Gasparini over the field, in my opinion. Hey, fair. You guys all did. Um, okay. I mean, is there, uh, what else are we thinking here? Do we want to, uh, any, any other things we want to talk about based on that discussion point? Well, I, I, I want to bring, uh, bring this up early in the episode, but since we're talking about Roma and, uh, a new manager, who would you choose? Uh, Sari or Allegri? Or so we've talked, Fonseca? we've talked about this though. Yes, we, we have. have. Um, yeah. and I, I would want Sari, I think. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still, especially okay. If if Roma, also I also want to bring this up as well. Sassuolo are only three points back of seventh, mm-hmm. and Roma's in seventh and currently in seventh as well. So it's not even a guarantee that they even make Europe next season if they don't if they don't uh, win against Manchester United, which we'll talk about uh, before we end the episode. Um, if if that's if Roma finish outside of Europe, then I would take Sarri because the, uh, because this way you would have him uh, build up the squad. Uh, you know, there's a whole week to work uh, before a game with the squad as well. But if you're if you're competing on multiple fronts, I'd rather have Allegri because then you're guaranteed that a, a minimum standard in the league as well while maintaining a decent showing in Europe. Yes, I agree with those points. Um, and I mean, again, my only, I just don't think that uh, Allegri is the right coach tactically, tactically for Roma. And I, I think that's where sorry, again, we've talked about it lots before, but I just think that he, what he would bring to that team is a lot more uh, impactful um, than what Allegri could bring. Because Allegri can come in and and really turn a team that is like close to uh, effective contenders, whereas I think Saudi uh, is able to kind of work through a lot of um, issues that some teams have and can kind of work with that as well and still make a, a, challenging, a challenging squad out of not garbage, I don't want to call him garbage, but uh, he can definitely pull out the best of players is what I'll say. <laughs> okay. So I understand your points about like, uh, about Allegri, you know, joining a team that are, you know, contenders, but Roma's problem isn't really, you know, scoring goals, which is why you would need to take on Sari to, to kind of, you know, create uh, an expansive attacking style of play. But, for me, Roma's problem is defensive, their defensive uh, capabilities. And I think Allegri would, would be better suited to fix those problems than Marisa Sarri. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I'll, I'll concede yeah. that. Guys, do you want to yeah. yeah, jump in on that? Yeah, I mean, I for me, it's Sadi. I, I, I've, I think I've talked about how much I just enjoy watching his teams play, just with that. Uh, it's coined Sadi ball now, but I would love to watch it again, especially in, in Serie A, so my pick would be Sadi. Julian? Yeah, I agree. I think he'd be the better fit. 
Um, Allegri, I do want to see him get a job somewhere again, but I just I don't know where. Am I in the minority here? Am I the only one that wants to see Allegri at Roma? Yes. Yes, yes you are. Uh, it, it, look, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know Pablito comes out right again. Eh? <laughs> I would be, because Pablito <laughs> is a shill. He's a corporate shill now. He just likes to <laughs> talk about things that make him money. Um, okay, let's uh, let's wrap that up then. So again, great, um, great question and uh, fun conversation. Um, Chris, do you have a new Who Am I for the listeners? I do, I do. So the new hints for this week. Hint number one: He has played in Serie A with seven different clubs. Holy shit! Hint number two. Since the 2017-18 year, this player has not made more than 25 appearances in one season. And then hint number three, he has played with Spinazzola, Petania, and Defrel. So those are our three hints for this week. First one to answer correctly on our Twitter post will get the chance to ask us a Serie or Calcio-related question for the next episode. Good luck. Yay. All right. Seven different clubs. Seven different clubs. Is he going for the record? What's the record, Paulo? Um, I, I, I have no idea, but I've seen <laughs> at least ten. You've seen someone have ten? Yeah. Well, like I know Tony had at least like a lot of clubs in Syria. Yeah, but not ten. Well, Syria was Fiorentina. Okay, uh, listen, listen, what we'll do is we'll, we'll <laughs> you, you will look it up on our break, which we'll, we're about to take. Um, but again, that wraps up our uh, discussion for. Who am I? I don't know. Who am I? I don't know. Uh, so again, Paula will look that up uh, and uh, we will hopefully come back with an answer. We'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe we won't even get an answer. It's possible. It's very possible. Okay, let's take a break. <laughs> and then uh, when we get back, we'll talk uh, a little bit more about uh, the Serie A uh, top and bottom of the table. And then uh, we'll wrap up with some, uh, some fun on our end here with uh, so a little bit of Roma talk and then possibly another Who Am I? So we'll be right back. Eppur mi son scordato di te Come ho fatto, non so Una ragione vera non c'è, lei era bella però. Un tuffo dove l'acqua è più blu, niente di più. Oh, ma che disperazione, nasce da una distrazione, era un gioco e non può. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, Paolo, I'm going to give you this uh, for this guy. Uh, he has very, I mean, it sounds like the 60s, 70s. Is that fair? Yeah, of course. Placement? Yeah. 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 Uh, he has like the same vibe as like, you know, the Bee Gees kind of I hear in him. Uh, I hear a little bit of like, you know, they're like kind of ballad songs. I, I mean, I, I don't want to say the Beatles, but I hear a little bit of like they're stylistically similar in terms of, uh, again, the melodies Ball- and stuff. Ballads for sure. Ballads yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, good, another good choice. Uh, and what, what I like about this podcast that is turning into a library for people uh, for these great Italian songs. So I hope that people are writing these down. Uh, Paula, what was this song called? Uh, e pur mi son scortato di te. By Lucio Battisti. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking, now that you brought it up, Mike, I was thinking, uh, you know, open it up to like a Twitter poll or something that uh, we post the songs that choose to sample. Yeah. And see like which one everyone's favorite is. Yeah. So the only thing I'll say is it's, it's unfortunately going to be uh, internet trolls will just say that it's Grande Fili de Putana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Internet trolls named Mike Angel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes. Anyways, let's uh, <laughs> let's actually finish the show here. So uh, let's talk about um, just again. Let's recap what happened here with Super League uh, before we talk a little bit more about the league, the actual City I League. But so f- last we were on the pod, we talked about how uh, there was this uh, thing they were forming it, uh, and you know it, it, it's good for this reason, it's bad for well, bad for this reason, these reasons, it's good possibly for this reason, blah blah blah. Um, a good long discussion, and then literally two days later, I think uh, it ended up being a moot conversation because they just kind of folded, kind of. But where are we at, I guess, uh, in terms of the Super League at this point? What is happening with it? All right, so I'll take the Syria angle, of course. Uh, actually, it was today, Monday, that is, that the FIGC passed a motion that Syria clubs cannot join a league that is uh, not sanctioned by FIFA or UEFA. So if they choose to do so, uh, they would face expulsion from Syria if they continue... Um, with their plans to, uh, for this said Super League. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so does that put uh, to bed those conversations is my question, I guess. So, again, Juventus has a choice to make. I, I say Juventus and the four teams that I put down are Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, and Milan. Those are the four teams that have... Who are still in Super League. Who, yes, exactly. Who have not clearly stated or have clearly stated they are still in the league. Yes, they're still involved in the project. So essentially this FIGC motion that was passed on Monday is a warning shot to Juventus that they have to make up their mind that they cannot have it both ways. Juventus and Milan have to make up their mind that they can't have it both ways. So does it put it to bed? No, but there's a clear mark set. Okay. And I think the reality is, though, that we're not going to see those teams leave their domestic leagues. They, they've said, obviously, that they want to stay in their domestic leagues. And I guess, obviously, for the same reason that they'd be wanting to join the Super League is that there's money involved, right? Um, and they can't just say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll join the Super League with two other teams, and that's going to be the money that we'll make, etc. They need to make money somehow, and being in a league and possibly winning a league is where a lot of that change comes from. I guess, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, no, no, go ahead. No, uh, you mentioned money, and I also wanted to point, uh, you know, I, I think we're talking last week, right, saying, like, how how would a head fund know 
that it would be a good idea to get into uh, get into to, to funding the Super League, right? Uh, and we're also there was also the conversations about how um, you know they would have these those those stats about kids not watching soccer anymore or not watching football anymore. Uh, so actually, on that note, J.P. Morgan. Uh, may suffer consequences for their actions in getting involved in the Super League. They admitted that they mis- misjudged how the fans would react to this uh, to the situation, and that they uh, they will not suffer any financial penalty for for not going through uh, with this said Super League. But uh, but the fact is that they face a damaged uh, reputation as well. J.P. Morgan does. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, what's, what does that really mean? I, I don't know. In terms of being, their ability, their credibility and ability to form some other league or be a sponsor for another well, league, well, I don't know that really matters. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, but Paul, if you have the money, it's, that doesn't really change anything. Well, I mean, there was, uh, they took some flack on social media. Because I think it was Jamie Dimon, who was the C- uh, J.P. Morgan CEO, said that in a in a letter to shareholders that they would have to build their relationship uh, on trust, etc. Uh, you know, there was no trust displayed uh, during the Super League in, um, instance here, and you know now they have they've damaged their reputation in public, and I think it's hard for. You know, for the average, um, you know, football fan or soccer fan or culture fans, even you know, trust J.P. Morgan anymore in any of their dealings. But uh, to, to to that point, the point that I really wanted to make is the fact that they misjudge the fans' reaction. You know, all that talk about uh, how it'd be okay, like you know, that they had these stats. I mean, they pay the big money to to, the, to have these stats, and yet they still misjudge the fans' reaction. That that's the the most important takeaway that I take from from that news. But okay, I don't want to get into the same discussion we had last week about it. But do we really think that the fans are the ones who end up uh, squashing this thing? Like, do you think it's that reaction that truly is the reason why this isn't happening? Personally. Um, I think it was the actions in Britain that was the final nail in the coffin. I think, but, but again, but the actions not by the fans who were protesting, like you know the Chelsea fans, etc. You're talking well, about the, 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 the Chelsea the fans of, of the government. Well, the government helped. The government, um, you know, Boris Johnson coming out saying that there, that there have that excuse me, that there's no tool off the table that they will use to punish the six English clubs uh, that, you know, wasn't very important, but I think the, the, the scenes that hit home the hardest for English fans was the, the Chelsea fans blocking the road. And you had that, that video of Peter check trying to negotiate with the fans so they can let in the bus so they can play their game against Brighton, which they tied and took all, admitted the fact that this conversation about the Super League was the reason for their poor performance against Brighton. So yeah, I think it did have uh, a real effect. Uh, it was more of a psychological effect than more 
than than of a financial effect, in my opinion. Guys, what do you think? I mean, I I think the the response of the fans, I think, played a role. I don't know if that was the the chief reason why it ended up falling apart. I mean, we still haven't heard too much publicly from players and managers. I know some came out and spoke, but uh, who knows what was happening behind the scenes. Players might have gone to staff and voiced their opinion. Same with managers. And maybe, you know, if enough high-profile managers went to their club and spoke against it, that might have worked against them as well. I think at the end of the day, UEFA was able to sit down with them and say, okay, um, squash this Super League and we'll give you A, B, and C which is probably what their plan was. Um, now, when I say there, I mean the Super League clubs. Or the plan... Super League or the uh, English teams? Uh, the Super League clubs. Okay. Um, I think at the end of the day, they just wanted more money. And if UEFA was able to not promise it, but show them that there was a plan in place to get, to get them more money, then uh, that probably led to the collapse of it. Right. My, why then are there still four teams that are clinging to this if if they've gotten what they wanted? That's a good question. Yeah, to save face, to either to save face or perhaps again just to make sure that that threat still is there and exists. Because you know, if it doesn't, then I guess you can just be like, yeah, you know, we we don't need to give that money to you anymore. But again, they've basically based on all of the, um all of the stuff that's happened over the last week, it kind of sounds like it's, it's never going to happen, you know, even though there these, you know, different press releases have said uh, a, B and C about, you know, it's not over where we have to see how the viability of the league will go on, blah, blah, blah. After this. Um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that these teams are still in it. Technically tech, like based on technicality saying that they, they haven't given up on it really. Um, It's just, what does that mean for, I guess, the future of that proposition? And I think that, the, like, the UEFA giving, you know, concessions on what they're going to contribute or blah, blah, blah to these bigger teams um, really is perhaps what they were after, to your point, Chris. Just again, what is that? What's the point of that? Like, what's the point of just saying you're going to break away from a league just because you wanted uh, a higher cut or, or just not more, not even a higher cut? You're just going to get like, let's say it's like another hundred million per, you know, let's say if you, you win the, the title, like the Champions League title. Like, is that really going to affect the bulk of those 12 teams? It's not. It's going to affect in reality one of those teams. Good point. Yeah. Just to, zoom out a little bit more what what all of this kind of showed me and I, I knew there was a disparity with with tv deals you know between the epl and the other big five leagues in europe but uh seeing a lot of the you know infographics and charts that came out over the past week or so really highlighted uh how much more money the prem is bringing in and how much more money all of their clubs are making in comparison to all of the clubs you know and will you study off for example a club like Verona, who's going to finish, you know, around top half of the table, uh, is going to make less money than the team that finishes last in the prem um, mm-hmm. by by a lot, a significant amount. So uh, there's a there's a gap that needs to be closed there, and that's just domestically, not even within European prize money. Right. Uh, so Michael, the teams that we mentioned that are still, you know, holding on to these. Um, you know, 
pipe dreams mm-hmm. is the teams that are in line to make 300 million euros a season in in so-called European Super League prize money. Right. That's the reason why they're holding on because uh, I believe it, again, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, those are the three teams that are scheduled to make 350 million euros or, or roughly along those mm-hmm. lines. Uh, Milan, again, I don't know why they they still didn't haven't they haven't clearly explained that they're out of the project. I know Chris, you were mentioning that uh, Maldini barred uh, Gazidis from explaining the situation to the players. Uh, to me, uh, I believe it was the right move as well. So so yeah, I, the only the only reason that I can see on, on at face value is the harboring hopes of still collecting that prize money. Yeah, the only again thing I'll, I'll add to that as well is what does it mean then if they're if if UEFA comes down and says you know what like you guys are the the four teams let like let's say this happens you guys are the four teams that are still in this thing or haven't condemned it basically um, you guys are kicked out of Champions League so like is that really worth it at that point then they're not going to get Champions League money as well and that's that's a massive boost for those teams who are already struggling financially. So, okay, to, to your point, Michael, uh, that is the consequence. I mean, they they it, it's they're forcing UEFA is forcing the clubs, these four clubs, to make a decision. Either you're in or you're out. So, uh, most likely, they're they they will have to cave uh, if they do want to. Uh, you know, for, for if example, if Real Madrid and Juventus still want to play in Champions League next season. Mm-hmm. You know, and now with the this motion passed by the FIGC saying that no Serie A club or no club in Italy can play in a tournament that is not sanctioned by FIFA or UEFA and that they'll get uh, expelled from their domestic league. That's a clear shot to Juventus and by extent Milan saying that you have no choice but to leave this European Super League. So what what's just funny to me and this is going to be my last point on it is if that's the case but they get more money just by being in this other league than by winning that domestic league. I mean yeah what but, are they but, are they going to say just because of tradition they're going to say no we're not going to do that like again I I just it's hard to believe that but again, if if it's a team with or a league with four teams, they're never going to do it any in the first place. But exactly, there's no legitimacy. Yeah. So there, there's your there's no point of even doing it. Julian has been suspiciously quiet, and I think <laughs> it's because uh, Inter Milan uh, finally are able to win Serie A, possibly. Oh. Uh, but it'll all be for naught because they're going to be stripped of the title, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, Watch they're in the clear. Things. They denounced the Super League already. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of a funny story because they apparently had only agreed in principle to join. They never actually signed anything because they needed to get confirmation from their creditors. Right. So they had only agreed in principle. So that's why they kind of denounced it right away. As soon, I mean, as soon as the English teams dropped out, your league is gone. That was half the teams. Right. Um, and I mean, realistically, the English teams 
are the ones driving the TV market right now. So that league was done as soon as they left. Yeah. Um, I understand what they were doing because, of course, other than the English teams, every other league right now is kind of realistically going broke slowly but surely. Um, I think, Chris, you might need to confirm this one, but I think I saw a stat where it was like the 20th place team in the Prem. That's what, yeah, Chris was just We'll make as much money as the top place, the first place team in Serie A. Yeah, that, that might even be it. I, I know for sure it was more than the top. Uh, sorry, the bottom 14 or 15 in Serie A, but you might be right that last in Prem makes or is equal to the Scudetto winner. Yeah. Yeah. I like, think, and so, it was something like the Champions League winner too or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Well, so that's I why think... for the BPL, they're, they're already a Super League. They don't need to join another yes. league. They yes, have exactly. money coming out the everywhere. Wizard. Yeah. Exactly. So I think... I think the founders of the Super League, I mean, it's hilariously bad. I don't know how they didn't see this as a terribly, terribly bad Short-sighted decision. PR move <laughs> coming through. It was literally just the 12 owners. Like, we need more money. This is what we need to do. <laughs> Let's not discuss this with the team, with the fans, with the players, with the coaches, with nobody. This is what we're doing. So, and, of course, we also yeah, Yeah. I'm just, again, I, I find it hard to believe that there isn't some bigger plan here. And I, I think it's just yet to be seen. I think we'll find out sooner rather than later um, that again, UEFA was even in on it or something like that. You know what I mean? There, there's gotta be more to this than that, but again, we'll, we'll, we'll find out a little bit as things kind of progress and, and whether or not these other four teams finally say, yeah, they're out of it forever. And you know, they're happy. They never really wanted to leave, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's uh, finish that Super League discussion then, and let's uh, move on to um, back to Syria. Let's why don't we talk about uh, what a fun battle we're going to have here? So, if this uh, continues the way it is, we have again Inter, who look like they probably have the title locked down, but from two to fifth, uh, it, there's a difference of two points. Um, Lazio with a game in hand in sixth could possibly bring it up to uh, they would be at 64 points so four points effectively would separate second place from fifth uh, sixth place rather uh, which is again this is going to be a just a fun dog fight going into the last five games here because some of these teams play each other we just saw Milan play Lazio actually which is uh, which is why Lazio are, are still in it here but I guess the question that I'll pose to you guys is what do we realistically, what do we think this is going to look like? I know at the beginning of the year we said, okay, what does the top seven or whatever look like? And without getting into that, we'll talk about that at the end of the season. But what do we think this specific um, set of, I guess, circumstances we find ourselves in, how is this going to play out? Who's going to finish where? Okay. I'll start. Um, I, I think I know Atlant- your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think Atlanta is going to finish second. At the end, at, when by the end of the season, um, I think it's going to be Napoli third and Juventus fourth, Lazio fifth, and Milan sixth. <laughs> I I would have bet that he would all have. of my <laughs> yeah every penny, even the money I don't have. I would have bet that that was going to be Paul's response. 
And even like my ancestors' money, I would have bet all of it that that was how Paulo was going to answer that question. <laughs> it was a guaranteed return. I mean, it was. It's like betting on the stock, like the. Yeah. <laughs> Except it would have been much uh, more uh, quicker return for you, Chris. Much quicker. Yeah. Okay, uh, Chris, what do you think? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to see Lazio kind of turned it on kind of late in the season here. And I think they'll, they'll push for that fourth spot. Uh, I don't see them climbing into fifth. Um, I can see how it's easy to leave Milan out of the top four in this top four race because of who they play and the form they're in. So out of, out of all the top six teams right now, Milan are in the worst form, only six points in the last five games. Uh, and they play... Uh, Juve at Juve, I think it is, and at Atalanta, which is the last game of the season. So, two they're playing against two of the teams in the top six. So, the hardest schedule, the worst form. Um, so I can see how it's hard to, or it's easy to leave them out. Rather, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, as much as Milan has the worst form right now, Juve is also not playing inspiring stuff at all. Um, I can easily see them. Uh, drawing some more teams like Fiorentina down the stretch here. Uh, and then Napoli, um, it's been great to see them turn it on as well. But I think all season, our knock on them has been they're not consistent enough. And I know there's only five games left, but a bad five-game stretch is enough to put them out of the top four. So um, I, I'm i not confident enough right now to make uh, a prediction on who's going to make it or who won't other than and I will agree with Paulo that Atalanta will finish in second Julian alright I'm going to go a little I was just looking up the schedules here so I yeah I think Atalanta is going to hang on to that second spot right now um, Napoli I'm going to go for third and then I'm going to pull a dark horse here and say Lazio is going to clinch fourth wow what a mistake I'm just looking at the made. schedules they're I mean Juve still has to play Milan, Sassuolo, Inter, and they have Atalanta between Inter and Bologna, their last game for the Copa Italia. I hope that game was 120 minutes. It's not an easy schedule. Chris mentioned a lot about Milan. They also don't have an easy schedule. Lazio, they do have their makeup game that same day against Torino. But, I mean, they have Genoa, Fiorentina, Parma, Torino, Sassuolo, and Roma. But, I mean, they should easily win three of those. I mean, Fiorentina is now no longer a given because of the situation that they find themselves in. I mean, because of the – we'll get into the relegation race, you know, next. But I think those – Especially Calgary has proven that that theory that you know this is the hardest time to play those uh, relegation bottom feeders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, you know, the Fiorentina game is not necessarily a given. The general game is not a given, and plus anything can happen in that derby. So you know, three of those five games, uh, you know, are very challenging for Lazio. We'll see. Keep in mind, though, they had one. What was it, eight in a row before the Napoli game? Yes. So, I mean, except for that Napoli game, which they obviously didn't 
play well. They've bounced back strongly against Milan. I don't know. I think they can definitely pull through. Yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, surprise nobody and say that <laughs> I hate winning the Scudetto. That's right. Uh, no, actually, I do think that they uh, it's too embarrassing for them to not finish top four. So I'm going to have them actually finishing in third place here. Um, I, I, I don't know if I, if I think Atalanta will finish second because I, I just think that Juve, I have less trust in Juve finishing second than I do Atlanta finishing second. I, I just don't think that they have the ability to see out the games that Atlanta's had this year, uh, consistency wise. And you're right. Like, I see the schedule, I understand what you're saying. I just feel like, to Chris's point about Milan saying they've struggled recently, et cetera. I think that's also uh, why I keep them just out of this completely. And I think that Napoli finishing fourth is, is a realistic goal for them. Um, but same issues that Chris stated that, again, it, it, we've seen this before with Napoli this year where they've been playing well and then they're going to have a run of three just just muddy games where they won't do anything proper. Uh, and again, what's their schedule, Julian? Who's Napoli play? Um, it was fairly, hold on, I'm pulling up now. It wasn't overly difficult. Uh, Cagliari, Spezia, Udinese, Fiorentina, Verona. Yeah. I just feel like, again, some of those games, they'll drop a game somewhere. Exactly. And and it'll be just the, it'll be unfortunate for them because they've been, they would have been playing well and, and, you know, it'll, it'll literally cost them third or third or second. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be that close down to the wire anyways. I wouldn't be surprised if if it's against Cagliari, to be honest with you. Yeah. Anyways, I, I just think it's going to go, yeah, I guess Inter, uh, Atlanta, Juve. Um, I'll go, uh, yeah, I'll go Napoli. And then um, uh, Milan, Lazio. That's what I'm going to go with. That's how I'll finish it off. What do you, uh, is, that, uh, is that everything there for the top of the table? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, what else do you want to say? Say, say it now forever. Hold well, I, I still think, I still think that um, the four points dropped against Fiorentina. Fiorentina uh, I believe the, the, the didn't they Not, tie Benevento? No, they. Who tied, are you referring to? Juventus. Okay. And then they beat Benevento in the first in the in the home leg, right? In the mm-hmm. first first round and then they lost in the second one. So like like seven points. And then there was a, a I know they tied a few games as well. They tied Crotone one one. So at least ten they dropped at least like fifteen points this season, which is you know, could separate between top four uh, or staying in the top four and, you know, missing out on uh, Champions League next season as well. You know, like, it's it's just, it's it's what happens when, you know, we've talked about uh, managers winning games in the CL. I mean, he did okay because this season because of 
uh, circ- certain circumstances playing a Barcelona team that was, you know, not the best in the past five years. But it, it's it's very disappointing um, situation. And uh, what I did mention in going back to the Super League is that, you know, Angeli should be the one losing his job out of out of all of this as well, in my opinion. I mean, she, we, we mentioned on, on, on Twitter saying that not only for the fact that he led a rebellion against UEFA, but the fact that his team has done so poorly this season. Okay. And I just want to get off that off my chest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Fina Lafina. <laughs> so what's next? The relegation race? Yes. So why don't we, again, just kind of recap where we're at with that. So in 20th, we see Crotone with 18 points. Parma, 19th with 20. So those guys, again, we can probably say with a lot of certainty that's 11 points uh, that they'd have to make up in the five games remaining uh, for Parma at least. And then Crotone, again, even more so. Uh, they they are they're out of it. They're going to be relegated. I think they kind of uh, uh, safely assume that they will be. Uh, but then in 18th place, we have Benevento right now with 31. Cagliari is also at 31. Torino is also at 31. And then Spezia has 33. Fiorentina 34. Genoa 36. Bologna 38. Udinese 39. So that's kind of where I'm going to call it because that's basically the bottom half of the table from 11 downwards. But realistically, do we? I guess the first question I'll, I'll ask is uh, how? What's that limit? Where do we think this kind of cutoff is that uh, realistically a team might be in danger of falling down? Is it uh, Genoa at 36 in uh, 13th place or Fiorentina at 34? What do we think? For for me, it's it's Genoa in thirteenth place at thirty six points. Uh, for context, Bologna is ahead of them at thirty eight points, but thirty six points that only puts them five points ahead of Benevento, who are in eighteenth. And I, I said this last week or maybe two weeks ago. I'm just still not convinced that Genoa are playing consistent enough and playing well enough to to kind of tell me that they're going to stay up this year. And again, it's only five point difference. And the remaining five games are Lazio. Uh, we know what they're playing for. Uh, Sassuolo are looking decent recently. Uh, Bologna, Atalanta, who will be fighting for a top four spot. And then Cagliari, who will be fighting for their lives, most likely that last game of the season. So not an easy schedule for Genoa. And uh, I said it last week, they're, they're, my, they're my dark horse for finishing in 18th. Julian. Um, I I think Jen will be just safe at 36. I think five points in five games is a lot, especially for the bottom feeder teams. Um, I don't know. I really want Spezia to stay up. I think it'll either be Benevento or I'm still going to go with my guns and say Fiorentina going down. Paulo. I I would agree with Julian. I would enjoy uh, Fiorentina going down just for like the whole you know, Comiso coming in uh, and buying a club and then immediately getting relegated, which, ex- <laughs> which, which will be exactly what happened. What will happen to Parma as well? American oh. owner buying a club and going straight down <laughs> to Serie B. So again, the moral of the story is 
American owners buying clubs and immediately getting relegated. So, I mean, it, it's uh, it would be nice to see. Uh, but I do agree with Chris that the cutoff is at Genoa. I think uh, Bologna and Undinese, I think, just have enough talent uh, to see them through. But, uh, it, I mean, it would be also uh, damaging to Benevento. I mean, they have, they've had such a good season as well, you know, getting the scalp against against Juventus. So, between uh, Spezia and Benevento, uh, it would be tough to see, you know, either one of those teams going down because of their exploits this season. Right. I, for myself, I think I am... I'm kind of on uh, the same page as Julian in terms of Spezia. I hope that they they can see through that they'll stay in the, the top flight here. Um, they've been again such a, a fun story this year. Um, I mean, along with Benevento and and you know having some success earlier in the year, just they haven't been able to do much in the second half here. Um, I think that for me, I would probably it's probably going to finish this way. It's going to say Benevento, Parma, Crotone. I don't think Benevento can overcome um, many, many of these teams ahead. Uh, I understand again, Chris saying the 36, you know, Genoa at 36 points is still, they're still in danger. You're right. Absolutely. It's five points there. Um, I just think that at the end of the day, Benevento don't have um, the right match of, uh, I guess schedule and um, and I guess talent to kind of see out a little bit of the rest of the way here. So they play uh, Milan, they play Atalanta, um, and then they play again these. these I mean, they do play Crotone, which is going to be good for them. But they play Cagliari uh, next week or the week after, I think, and then they play Torino at the end of the season as well. So if the, it, it's going to depend on those two games. If how, we'll see how they do against Cagliari, if Cagliari win. Calgary basically kind of secure themselves. And again, Torino at that point too, they have to play Lazio for that makeup game. And if they're playing Benevento at the end of the season, that this might be the game that kind of determines uh, what ends up happening here. So it might even come down to that final match day. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm enjoying uh, the misery that these teams might, <laughs> must be in. Uh, Cause again, it, it makes for uh, a much more interesting league when there's so many battles here and possibilities, again, it's a negative for these teams, obviously. Um, but we were talking before about, uh, you know, the, the money that's in the premier league, you know, and just the fact that it's, I mean, this year is a little bit different in terms of uh, obviously you are dominating. There's a lot more storylines to follow. There, there's a lot more going on. Uh, so I can see why this year specifically is very interesting to a lot of new fans or fans who are watching uh, because it's it's been a change of the status quo. But I just think that in terms of a qual- the quality of the league, I'm not sure that it's like necessarily the top quality, but again, having a little bit more of uh, this drama here is definitely going to help them going forward. But they need to have the people in place uh, to make the make proper decisions in terms of getting more revenue into the league, because this might this season might be for naught. You know what I mean? Like it might just be a waste of like such a fun, um, interesting end of the season. Because at the end of the day, you know, 
three teams are in this Martin, the scandal of, Oh, we're trying to uh, steal football from the fans. You know what I mean? And Serie A having just the, the, I guess, reputation it's had since uh, Calciopoli and stuff like that. Like it, it doesn't need that shot in the arm. It needs something else. And it's just unfortunate in my opinion that this season might be uh, again, just a little bit of a waste of, of some drama. Um, okay, two points. Um, actually, thank you for reminding me what I wanted to originally bring up in the Super League uh, before I, I wanted to get off my chest. You're welcome. It was um, that the Syriac clubs signed a letter arguing that Juventus, Inter, and Milan threw a wrench in the negotiations with the hedge funds to sell equity um, in the league so they can, uh, you know, have like the, uh, so they can essentially finance more uh, prize money and, you know, just more money in general into the league because of, uh, so essentially because of event, these three clubs ambitions, essentially destroy the chances, the future chances and survival, in my opinion, of Syria. Yeah, let me tell you why that doesn't make sense, though, because <laughs> the reason why uh, Juve and all them want to stay in the league, or, or sorry, want to join another league, is because of the money, and they need more TV rights money, etc. So the fact that they would uh, try to sabotage some form of, you know, uh, making more money for uh, the majority of the teams in the league, including themselves, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Actually, they would not make more money themselves. It's what, would they, what would happen? They would make less it, money. No, they. I don't think they're. I don't. I personally, I don't think their share would go higher because they're always in the top half of the league, right? So it doesn't really matter. It's the reason why that that those negotiations were important were for um, the smaller clubs like Torino, like uh, uh, Fiorentina, and uh, clubs of that stature. So, which is why they signed a letter, uh, and and I think they're 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 looking, they're exploring options to kind of um, punish those three clubs for the fact that they essentially stopped uh, or voted against. Uh, continuing negotiation with these hedge funds. So their business decisions, secret business decisions, had a had a negative impact and had an adverse impact on, uh, you know, Syria's future as a whole. Listen, if anything, it sounds like they have more. Uh, they have more opportunities to talk with hedge funds now because they were talking with you know a, a company like jp morgan right so they have their their networking right they're, they're trying they're trying here there's no there's no uh bad will here they're trying to make money uh for italian football just it happens to be three specific teams who would yeah, yeah, yeah from exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Chris, uh, okay yeah no no you guys uh you guys touched on it uh I mean, we could obviously go on for another yeah. hour or two if we wanted to, but those are all good points. I had a second point. Well, let's forget it. So let's move yeah. on to uh, – I guess that's that's it. Let's wrap that up, and let's go to our uh, Who Am I? I Don't Know for us. Can we do that? We can. 
Okay, I've already closed the sound clip, so let's just pretend Zoolander said, who am I? I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so for you guys, um, hint number one. The most goals this player has scored in a Serie A season is 14. He's also never scored less than six when healthy. Uh, the only reason I add that is because there was a season, I think, where he didn't score, but he only appeared in one game, maybe it was. So uh, hint number two. This non-European has never played in the Champions League or Europa League. Hint number three, he has played for three Serie clubs and has more than 30 appearances for all of them. So I'll go through them again. Hint number one, the most goals this player has scored in a Serie season is 14. He's also never scored less than six when healthy. Hint number two, this non-European has never played in the Champions League or Europa League. And then hint number three, he has played for three Serie clubs and has more than 30 appearances for all of them. Interesting. Non-European, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you say he's played in Europe? No. He's no, never he played. He's never played, played, played in Europe. Never played yeah. in Europe. Okay. Non-European, 14 goals. Reminder to our listeners anyways, they, the guys do have the option to ask me a question, which I can deny, or they can ask me a hint. And um, Mike, what do you want to tell them about the hint? Uh, well, the hint happens to be... Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Non-European. Um, okay. I'll go what through have, them again while you guys are yeah, thinking. Sure, sure. Uh, so the most goals this player has scored in a Serie A season is 14. He's also never scored less than six when healthy. Hint two, this non-European has never played in the Champions League or Europa League. Hint three, he has played for three Serie A clubs and has more than 30 appearances for all of them. Hmm. Non-European. So, like, South African, African, uh, sorry, African, I guess, general, uh, South American, rather. Um, Asian. Yeah. Hmm. Hasn't, hasn't played in Europe. He has never hasn't. played in Europe. So, it's got to be uh, a team, obviously, not a top team, because most of these teams have been playing there recently as well. So, we can... Mm-hmm. Count out probably up to Sassuolo. Hmm, Sassuolo. That's an interesting. Who's on Sassuolo? Who's who? I think it's a striker. <laughs> yeah, I would think so too. That's pretty easy, right? Because I thought maybe Boga, but Boga's I think only ever played for Sassuolo in Syria. Right. Hmm. Okay, hear me out here. Um, never played in Europe. Mm-hmm. Gaston Ramirez. Gaston. I don't know what teams has he played for. Bologna. Serie teams, yeah. Sampdoria. And I feel like there's another one. Gaston. How many goals okay. does Gaston have this year? Like, he's not prolific. That's so, why... But will he have scored 14 goals? That's a lot of goals. 
That's it's a lot of goals. It's possible. Wait, has he played for Palermo as well? I don't know. He might have. Okay, who have we talked about um, recently that Chris would be like, oh, yeah, let's use that person. <laughs> um, someone on Torino. No, someone on... Gallier. Torino would only be Sanabria. Calidio thinking because there's Del Pedro, but I think he's been on Calidio forever. Or there's uh, Simeone. Where's Marco Sau now? Uh, Benevento. He's Italian, though. Oh, yeah. No, is he? Yeah. Sao? Yeah? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Simeone would be a good choice, though. I just, I don't know how many teams he's played for. But it's, there's, it's Galleri, Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? I know, is I there, feel like there's one more in there. There's one more. Is it belonging? No. Okay, that's, that's another option. Um, never played in Europe. Like I, I feel so, Chris. What were the? What were they all again? Uh, one second here. So, uh, the most goals he has scored in a Serie A season is fourteen. He's also never scored less than six when healthy. This non-European has never played in UEFA Champions League or UEFA Europa League. And in three, he has played for three Serie A clubs and has made more than 30 appearances for all of them. Non-European. I, I, I like that. I like Simeone. I think that's a really good guess. Uh, is there another question, though, that we want to ask to kind of confirm or or ask another thing? Like, do you have another uh, possibility, Julian or Paulo, that you guys are thinking? I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, what region? Or, or, or uh, wait, what? Yeah, continue your stupid question. Well, it's <laughs> a stupid question. Uh, what region? So, like, region could be due by region. Um, we could say, you know, we could ask what clubs? Um, what else? Would you accept either one of those questions, Chris? Um, I can tell you which continent <laughs> he's from. Is that what he's <laughs> from? Yeah, yeah. I will not tell you the specific country because that that could help, in my opinion. Because like either we do that or we do a bonus hint. Yeah, we do his bonus hint. Yeah, well, which could be crap. <laughs> what if what if our question was? Has his dad played in Syria? Ah, then we'll know for sure. For Syria. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I mean, so yeah, because that'll be it's a yes or no, and then I think we'll know or we won't. Then we have right. to find somebody else. Yeah, I think it's a good question. What's the question? Okay. Or do we just take his bonus hand? It's up to you guys. <laughs> no, I think that's actually a good question to ask. Yeah, but then, but then it it it, it's, it doesn't open up more doors. It just closes one that we have to find another one to open. Yes, I mean, as the right door. We have two. That's right. Well, <laughs> if he, uh, okay, well, why don't we just? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, do we want to ask what Chris's is? I say yes. 
So you're opting for the bonus in? No, I was opting for the question. You're going bonus in? That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bonus in. Okay, fine. Do you want well otherwise I'm okay. Again, it was my question. I'm happy to ask that question. (laughs) I I say bonus in. Julian? Sure. Okay, bonus in to this. Bonus in. All right. So this player played. (laughs) (laughs) This player currently has a relative (gasps) playing playing for a club in Spain. Uh-huh. Or is owned Playing? by owned by a club in Spain. Wait, sorry. He has a relative who is owned by a club in Spain? Yes. So, but like does own count as like coaching a team in Spain? No, player. <laughs> Former player coaching a team in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Whose rights are owned by a team in Spain? Uh, my, my question, my, uh, sorry, my uh, hunch is Simeone. I agree with Julian. I don't know who, if he has a, does he have a brother or something in Spain? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I Legit, I have no idea. So Spain, though. So a Spanish person, probably. Hold on. Could it be Muriel as well? What's his? Where's he been? Yeah, but he's played in Europe. Oh, yeah, that's yes, true. Yeah, that's true. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, are, you lo- are you locking in an answer? Paulo, do you have any other... Uh... Yeah, I'm good with Simeone. Yeah, me too. Paulo? I, I don't think it is, but sure. Okay, if I it is, think... if it is, Paulo, you actually have to pay all of us $40 cash tomorrow. <laughs> I just need gas money. It's not him. Simeone doesn't have a relative playing, currently playing you don't know that. Could have a long distance cousin. You don't know. Yeah, that. yeah. It could be uh, by marriage. <laughs> Chris, tell us the answer. The answer is Giovanni Simeone. <laughs> <laughs> so his brother Giuliano is owned by Atletico, and he plays for Atletico B. Um, Still not paying then, you money, you know that, right? Giovanni, <laughs> Giovanni has played for Genoa, thirty-five yes, appearances. Genoa. Yeah, that's Fiorentina, what it was. And Cagliari. Cagliari. Yeah. We stumped Chris. Yay! Yay! <laughs> the only thing is, Chris, though, we haven't been talking about him. So you're trying to ch- you're changing your tactics. I'm cheating. Now. I'm cheating, basically. Why, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeez. Quite. Okay, so that that was, that was entertaining. Thank you, Chris, for that. Yeah, that was good. Michael, your question would have worked. Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> I would have denied it. <laughs> uh, oh, what else Great. is left, Michael? Uh, in the show, let's. why don't we finish up here with a CW minute, then uh, we'll just kind of preview a quick game, and then we'll wrap up. Perfect. Okay, so a CW returns... Uh, this week, I believe on Tuesday, there's two games, uh, Pescar uh, Antella and Empoli Chievo. And then on the weekend, there's a full slate of games. And the highlights from that is Cosenza Pescara, Salernitana Monza, and Asquali Empoli. So just a quick recap of the table, Serie B table. Empoli with 66 points, Lecce 61, Salernitana 60. Monza 55, Venezia 53, Cittadella 50, Spal 50, 
Kivo 48. And in 16th place, it's Askley 37, Cosenza 32, Regiana 31, Pescara 28, and Intella 22. All right. And that's uh, just to, I guess, clarify. They're back because they would they were doing that a hiatus for Pescara? Uh, no, they're, they're back because they stopped the league for... Yeah, COVID. Yeah. Yeah, for COVID. Because it wasn't because Pescara wasn't uh, able to play or something like that? Exactly, yeah. So they just stopped so, the yes. whole league. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what a okay. nice league. Yeah, hey. And then those yeah, guys would leave it, this it, for a Super League. Or or the fact that actually they would force the games to be played, but even though they would get called off, and then they would have to replay the games? True. But, yeah. 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 It just makes so, a lot more managing sense. But there's exactly. a lot less money involved. There's a lot less money involved. There you go. It's all money. I mean, there's a, there's still a lot of money being promoted to Serie A, though. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Thank you for that, Paulo. Um, finally, why don't we just uh, preview here? So Roma have a big game coming up on Thursday. What's that? So I'll, I guess I'll feel this one. So Roma play the first leg on Thursday against Manchester United at Old Trafford for the Europa League uh, semi-final. Uh, Mancini is suspended for that game, which is why he started with Smalling versus Gaeri. So, obviously, Manchester United are the favorites, but uh, as Chris could probably uh, go in more in depth, uh, Roma can hit him on the counterattack like they did against Ajax. Yeah, the I just wanted to... I think it is important to note that Roma is away for the first leg, so... If they can, you know, chip chip away with a goal or, or two, then they're going to be set up decently for the second leg and hopefully to progress to the final. Um, I hope Mayoral starts for the for the reasons Paul just mentioned with regards to giving Roma the option of playing on the counterattack as much as I like uh, Edin Dzeko and what he can do, you know, as a poacher inside the box. He's not nearly as mobile and kind of limits Roma's counterattacking threat. Um, I, I know he can hold the ball up extremely well and he's a decent passer, but he's not going to threaten with those runs in behind, which is kind of what creates space for Roma's midfield. So uh, I'll be interested to see uh, who starts and um, exactly how Fonseca lines them up. Yeah. Good. Well, it'll be, uh, again, it's, it's nice to have an Italian team have a little bit more success in Europe, just like uh, Inter had last season. Uh <laughs> Because this season was a wash for them, but uh, in general, I think again, it's, hey, it was it's... a wash for most teams. The roulette? It was a wash for most teams. Didn't yeah, uh, yeah. Juve lose to a ten-man Porto? They did. <laughs> they sucked. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, but again, we'll see. Again, it'll be good for coefficient numbers, etc. Uh, but we'll see if uh, Roma can actually figure something out that the other teams could not do for the past decade in uh, Europe. Um, okay. That's, uh, that's kind of it for us guys. Um, thanks for listening to our three hour show here tonight. <laughs> um, let's uh, we'll be back next week and we'll, we'll chat a little bit more again. We'll have a, another, uh, some more understanding about how this um, table has been uh, kind of shaken out here because we're going to for sure see some results um, from the top end and the bottom end to kind of see who's who's closer to the top and the bottom there, of course. 
but outside of that, we may even have some uh, interesting, fun news for Roma, right? So let's hope let's hope for good things for them. Uh, but in the meantime, everybody stay safe. Uh, follow us on Twitter, and uh, I don't know. I guess outside of that, just stay stay gold, pony boy. Stay gold. That's it. <laughs> I'm supposed to say stay classy. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Stay, stay, that's yeah, right. Uh, yeah, stay classy. Yeah. Shut up. Uh, okay, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Done. All right. Very good. I'm uh, going to bed. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Though. Okay. Okay.